Today is March 26th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer. Welcome in and welcome back. Thank you for showing up. It's Sunday. It's a brand new week. And I just love the way Sunday feels like a clean slate, like I can start afresh. It's all out in front of us. And we get to decide to envision what we want our week to look like. We are on the move still pressing ahead on our journey, engaging and immersing ourselves in the scriptures day by day to grow in our understanding of God's word and really feel its resonance and relevance as it speaks to us where we are today in the 21st century in the same way that it spoke to people of the past. We're reading from a new translation this week, of course, the God's Word Translation, And we'll be starting with some familiar territory, a review of the Ten Commandments. Let's get into this word, y'all. Let's flow, feast, and be fed. Deuteronomy chapters 5 and 6, the Ten Commandments. Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Israel, listen to the laws and rules I'm telling you today. Learn them and faithfully obey them. The Lord our God made a promise to us at Mount Horeb. He didn't make this promise to our ancestors, but to all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face from the fire on the mountain. I stood between the Lord and you to tell you the Lord's word because you were afraid of the fire and didn't go up on the mountain. The Lord said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery in Egypt. Never have any other gods. Never make your own carved idols or statues that represent any creature in the sky, on the earth, or in the water. Never worship them or serve them, because I, the Lord your God, am a God who does not tolerate rivals. I punish children for their parents' sins to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But I show mercy to thousands of generations of those who love me and obey my commandments." Never use the name of the Lord your God carelessly. The Lord will make sure that anyone who uses his name carelessly will be punished. Observe the day of rest as a holy day. This is what the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days to do all your work. The seventh day is the day of rest, a holy day dedicated to the Lord your God. You, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen, your donkeys, All of your animals, even the foreigners living in your city, must never do any work on that day. In this way, your male and female servants can rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God used his mighty hand and powerful arm to bring you out of there. This is why the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the day of rest as a holy day. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you. Then you will live for a long time, and things will go well for you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Never murder, never commit adultery, never steal, never avoid the truth when you testify about your neighbor, never desire to take your neighbor's wife away from him, never long for your neighbor's household, his field, his male or female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything else that belongs to him. These are the commandments that the Lord spoke to your whole assembly on the mountain. He spoke in a loud voice from the fire, the cloud, and the gloomy darkness. 
Then he stopped speaking. He wrote the commandments on two stone tablets and gave them to me. But when you heard the voice coming from the darkness and saw the mountain blazing with fire, all the leaders and heads of your tribes came to me. You said, The Lord our God has let us see how great and glorious he is. We've heard his voice come from the fire. Today we've seen that people can live even if God speaks to them. Why should we die? This great fire will consume us. If we continue to hear the voice of the Lord our God, we'll die. Who has ever heard the voice of the living God speak from a fire as we did and lived? Moses, go and listen to everything that the Lord our God says. Then tell us whatever the Lord our God tells you. We'll listen and obey. When the Lord heard the words that you spoke to me, he said, I have heard what these people said to you. Everything they said was good. If only they would fear me and obey all my commandments as long as they live, then things would go well for them and their children forever. Tell the people to go back to their tents, but you stay here with me. I will give you all the commands, laws, and rules that you must teach them to obey in the land which I'm giving them to possess. So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Never stop living this way. Follow all the directions the Lord your God has given you. Then you will continue to live. Life will go well for you, and you will live for a long time in the land that you are going to possess. Love the Lord. These are the commands, laws, and rules the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. Obey them after you enter the land and take possession of it. As long as you live, you, your children, and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God. All of you must obey all His laws and commands that I'm giving you, and you will live a long time. Listen, Israel, and be careful to obey these laws. Then things will go well for you, and your population will increase in a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord God of your ancestors promised you. Listen, Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is the only God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Take to heart these words that I give you today. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home or away, when you lie down or get up. Write them down and tie them around your wrist and wear them as headbands as a reminder. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The Lord your God will bring you into the land and give it to you, as he swore to your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This land will have large, prosperous cities that you didn't build. Your houses will be filled with all kinds of things that you didn't put there. You will have cisterns that you didn't dig and vineyards and olive trees that you didn't plant. After you have eaten all that you want, be careful that you don't forget the Lord who brought you out of slavery in Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God, serve him, and take your oaths only in his name. Never worship any of the gods worshipped by the people around you. If you do, the Lord your God will become very angry with you and will wipe you off the face of the earth because the Lord your God, who is with you, is a God who does not tolerate rivals. 
Never test the Lord your God as you did at Massa. Be sure to obey the commands of the Lord your God and the regulations and laws He has given you. Do what the Lord considers right and good. Then things will go well for you, and you will enter and take possession of that good land which the Lord promised to your ancestors with an oath. You will see the Lord expel your enemies as He said He would. In the future, your children will ask you, What do these regulations, laws, and rules which the Lord our God commanded you mean to you? Tell them, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord used His mighty hand to bring us out of there. Right before our eyes, the Lord did miraculous signs and amazing things that were spectacular but terrible for Egypt, Pharaoh, and his whole family. The Lord led us out of there to bring us here and give us this land He promised to our ancestors with an oath. The Lord our God commanded us to obey all these laws and to fear Him. These laws are for our own good as long as we live so that He will preserve our lives. It's still true today. This is how we'll have the Lord's approval. If we faithfully obey all these laws in the presence of the Lord our God, as He has commanded us. Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 35. Jesus brings the widow's son back to life. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a city called Nain. His disciples and a large crowd went with him. As he came near the entrance to the city, he met a funeral procession. The dead man was a widow's only child. A large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he felt sorry for her. He said to her, don't cry. He went up to the open coffin, took hold of it, and the men who were carrying it stopped. He said, young man, I'm telling you to come back to life. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Everyone was struck with fear and praised God. They said, A great prophet has appeared among us, and God has taken care of his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding region. John sends two disciples. John's disciples told him about all these things. Then John called two of his disciples and sent them to ask the Lord, Are you the one who is coming, or should we look for someone else? The men came to Jesus and said, John the baptizer sent us to ask you, Are you the one who is coming, or should we look for someone else? At that time, Jesus was curing many people who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, also, he was giving back sight to many who were blind. Jesus answered John's disciples, Go back and tell John what you have seen and heard. Blind people see again. Lame people are walking. Those with skin diseases are made clean. Deaf people hear again. Dead people are brought back to life. And poor people hear the good news. Whoever doesn't lose his faith in me is indeed blessed. Jesus speaks about John. When John's messengers had left, Jesus spoke to the crowds about John. What did you go into the desert to see? Tall grass swaying in the wind? Really, what did you go to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? Those who wear splendid clothes and live in luxury are in royal palaces. Really, what did you go to see? A prophet? Let me tell you that he is far more than a prophet. John is the one about whom scripture says, I am sending my messenger ahead of you to prepare the way in front of you. 
I can guarantee that all of the people ever born, no one is greater than John, yet the least important person in God's kingdom is greater than John. All the people, including tax collectors, heard John. They admitted that God was right by letting John baptize them. But the Pharisees and the experts in Moses' teachings rejected God's plan for them. They refused to be baptized. How can I describe the people who are living now? What are they like? They are like children who sit in the marketplace and shout to each other. We played music for you, but you didn't dance. We sang a funeral song, but you didn't cry. John the baptizer has come neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, there's a demon in him. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him. He's a glutton and a drunk, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet, wisdom is proved right by all its results. Psalm 68, verses 19 through 35. Thanks be to the Lord, who daily carries our burdens for us. God is our salvation, Salah. Our God is the God of victories. The Almighty Lord is our escape from death. Certainly God will crush the heads of his enemies and destroy even the hair on the heads of those who continue to be guilty. The Lord said, I will bring them back from Bashan. I will bring them back from the depths of the sea, so that you, my people, may bathe your feet in blood, and the tongues of your dogs may lick the blood of your enemies. Your festival processions, O God, can be seen by everyone. They are the processions from my God, my King, into the holy place. The singers are in front, the musicians are behind them. The young women beating tambourines are between them. Thank God, the Lord, the source of Israel, with the choirs. Benjamin, the youngest, is leading them. Next, the leaders of Judah with their noisy crowds. Then the leaders of Zebulun, then the leaders of Naphtali. Your God has decided you will be strong. Display your strength, O God, as you have for us before. Kings will bring you gifts because of your temple high above Jerusalem. Threaten the beast who is among the cattails, the herd of bulls with the calves of the nations, until it humbles itself with pieces of silver. Scatter the people who find joy in war. Ambassadors will come from Egypt. Sudan will stretch out its hands to God in prayer. You kingdoms of the world, sing to God. Make music to praise the Lord. Salah. God rides through the ancient heaven, the highest heaven. Listen, he makes his voice heard, his powerful voice. Acknowledge the power of God. His majesty is over Israel and his power is in the skies. God, the God of Israel, is awe-inspiring in his holy place. He gives strength and power to his people. Thanks be to God. Proverbs chapter 11 verses 29 through 31. Whoever brings trouble upon his family inherits only wind, and that stubborn fool becomes a slave to the wise in heart. The fruit of a righteous person is a tree of life, and a winner of souls is wise. If the righteous person is rewarded on earth, how much more the wicked person and the sinner. Okay, so again, there is so much here that we can talk about. What I want to share with you 
that stood out most to me today, well, actually, before I share what stood out to me, I want to share one of my primary goals for this podcast. And I mentioned it in my prayer yesterday briefly, but I want to say it again directly to you. And that is to point people to Jesus, to show them a different side, maybe a side of Jesus that we don't always hear about or one that we didn't hear enough about growing up in church, his tenderness, his compassion, his kindness. And I want to talk about him in a way that feels not solely like this is the kind of person he was, but this is the kind of person he is. He's not merely an idea or a figure. He is a loving father and a friend. And my prayer for this podcast is that it's a place where people can hear about Jesus in a way that feels very personal, very close, very intimate, very relational and real. I want you to hear his voice and feel his humanity, feel his concern, and know that he cares about every single detail of your lives. Okay, so now that I've said that, I want to tell you what stood out to me most about this passage today and yesterday. And the thing that stood out to me probably stood out to me because of where I am in my life. I am, as you know, grieving my mom and my father in love. And yeah, there is a part of me that wishes God would have performed a miracle like the ones we read about today in their lives. I wanted more time with my mother. I miss her every single day. I wish my babies had more time with their papa, but alas, it it wasn't meant to be. We'll see them again on the other side. I know that. But anyway, up to this point in Luke's narrative, Jesus has interacted only with Jews, but now he's extended his ministry to Gentiles, non-Jewish people, including a Roman officer and his servant. This was in yesterday's reading. And what's really striking here is that the Roman officer didn't come to Jesus, nor did he expect Jesus to come to him. And just as the officer did not need to be present to have his orders carried out, neither did Jesus need to be present to heal his servant. The Roman officer said he wasn't worthy for Jesus to come to his house, but just send your word. That is so powerful to me. And then Jesus, as always, is impressed with his faith. The officer's faith was especially notable to Jesus because the officer wasn't raised in a culture that would have known or recognized God as a loving God. Now, prayerfully by now, we do recognize God as a loving God. I wonder what we need to believe God for that would make him impressed with our faith. What are we not asking for that if only we did, God would be like, man, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Cleveland or all of Miami or all of Richmond. Boom, girl, it's yours. Or son, I've been waiting to give this to you for like three years now. I just been waiting on you to ask. Oh, I love this kind of faith. Like, what would it take? What are we holding back from? Or what are we not asking for because we're afraid? And what are we so afraid of? I think, and I could be wrong, that part of the reason why Jesus is always so impressed with great faith is because it's rare. 
because faith is hard. It's hard to have faith because it's easier to believe in what we can see than it is to trust in what we cannot. It takes courage to walk by faith and more courage to walk by faith than it does to walk by sight. It's easier to believe in what is safe than it is to risk everything or even something on what might not work out. What if we trusted God even when it didn't make sense? What if we let go of our fears? What exactly are we losing by letting go? And what are we gaining by holding on to them? Ooh, I got to sit with that one today. And then we also see Jesus perform a miracle today that is nothing short of awe-inspiring when he raises a widow's son from the dead, bringing new life to a grieving family. Now, I need us to stop and picture this for a moment. Let's put ourselves in this story. Imagine that this woman is our friend and we've been on the phone consoling her all week because she lost her husband a few years ago and now she's lost her son who's been taking care of her. Now she has nobody. She's all alone and she's devastated because the two people who she loved and who loved her most in this world are gone. And because she doesn't know how she's going to survive without them. Remember, widows in this culture needed husbands or sons or the kindness of strangers to survive. Her future was now very bleak, or so she thought. Fast forward, we're at the funeral and we've made our way around the casket one last time. The pallbearers are carrying out the body and we walk out, we're holding Mary up. Let's, let's call her Mary. And we're surrounded by all the mourners and everybody's crying and carrying on. And then... In the distance, we see a crowd, and they're walking our way. At first, we don't think much of it. Maybe it's just some people passing by. But as they get closer, we see Jesus is the one leading them. Picture this now. And we're like, Mary, Mary, look. It's Jesus, the one, you know, Jesus, that man who's been healing the sick and casting out demons and making paralyzed people walk again. That's him. And then Mary looks up, her eyes red and swollen from all the crying, and she catches sight of him. She's heard of Jesus' miraculous powers, and for a moment, a flicker of hope sparks in her heart. But then, the reality of her situation hits her once again, and she buries her head in her hand. She goes back to sobbing uncontrollably because her son is dead. As Jesus gets closer, his eyes fall on Mary, and we, we're comforting her. But we can see all the tenderness, the gentleness, the goodness that is him. We feel his heart and his compassion the closer he gets. It's palpable. So recognizing this, we step aside. We let Jesus through. And he walks directly up to Mary, his face full of concern and sympathy. And he lifts her chin, looks her right in the eyes and says calmly, don't cry. And we can't believe what we're seeing. We can't believe what we think is about to happen, but we can see what it looks like is about to happen. And then we watch in sheer amazement as Jesus turns from her walks over to the casket and touches it. Suddenly, the pallbearers stop, and we all hold our breath as Jesus speaks over the casket. 
Young man, get up. And then, as we are all looking on, astonished, our eyes darting back and forth to one another, mouths ajar, the casket opens. And here's Mary's son, his eyes fluttered alive, his chest rising and falling with breath. And he sits up and starts talking like, what in the world? Where, where am I? Ma, what's going on? I don't know if that's what he said, but the Bible did say he started talking. And then Jesus grabs him by the hand and helps him out and represents him to his mother. And all she can do is rush towards him, tears streaming down her face. She almost lifts him off his feet like she can't believe it. And then, can y'all imagine our Savior just standing back with this huge smile on his face, watching the reunion of this mother and her son, and then telling his disciples, all right, y'all, our work here is done. Let's keep moving. And he tries to quietly slip away, but the disciples are pumped and they're like, yo, Jesus, that was so dope. Telling each other, hey, did you see how he just got up like that? And then back to the master, man, Jesus, how do you do that kind of stuff? Teacher, teacher, you brought that woman's son back from the dead for real? And Jesus is like, y'all do know I'm the son of God, right? And then he just keeps walking away with all his Messiah swag, with this knowing smile, gratified because he is doing what he was sent here to do. I don't know about you, but I just love these stories. I love watching Jesus work, witnessing it, seeing him bring hope and life to those who thought all was lost. Wow. It is amazing to me that the same Jesus who brought the widow's son back to life is the same Jesus who offers us hope and new life today. Whatever we may be going through, whether it's grief, illness, any kind of darkness hovering and trying to consume us, we can trust that our Savior stands with us and never leaves. And it's this same power that he used back then that we have access to right now. It is limitless, boundless, and timeless. He has the power to bring healing and restoration to our lives, no matter how weary, broken, lost, or dead we may feel. Nothing is too difficult for him. Nothing is too hard for God. And then just tying it back into the other story, we got to believe, though. We got to believe. We got to have faith. Let's have that kind of faith that makes Jesus stand up like, mm, I ain't seen that kind of faith and I don't know how long. Let's believe that God can and will do the impossible in our lives, what we think is impossible. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your never-ending love and your never-ending mercy. We thank you for your power. Thank you for showing us time and time again that you are our source of hope and our strength in every situation. 
Lord, we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and that you are still in the business of performing miracles and bringing new life, although it may look different than what it did back then. Lord, you're still doing it right now. Lord, we ask that you would help us to have faith like the Roman officer, trusting in your promises, even when they don't make sense or they seem impossible to come to fruition. Help us to let go of our fears and believe that you can work wonders in our lives. We've seen it with our own eyes before. We know it. Help us to always recognize it, never wavering in that belief, never forgetting that you still have all power in your hands. Lord, we ask for healing and restoration in any areas of our lives where we're broken or weary or exhausted or just lost. Lord, we ask for new life and hope in in areas where we feel dead or defeated. Lord, we know that you can revive or revitalize any situation that needs to or should be resurrected, and we trust in your might to do so. Lord, we thank you for being you. We thank you for being with us, for never forsaking us. Lord, we thank you for your limitless and boundless power. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We glorify you. We exalt you. We magnify you. We lift up your name. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. And our affirmation, I am becoming what I believe. I am becoming what I believe. And our aphorism, some things have to be believed to be seen. Mm, That's a good one. All right, that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for being on this journey with me. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I love you and I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.